Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. Every third Monday in January, we mark Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And every year, the generation of the civil rights movement, its leaders, and the everyday people who powered it, inch further and further into history. Archives like the one collected by the Afro-American newspapers are seeking to preserve that history by protecting the record of its past editions, spanning all the way back to 1892. Alexis Taylor, managing editor of the Afro, is here with me to talk about the Legacy News Organization and the history contained in its pages. Welcome to the show, Alexis. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell us a little bit about the Afro-American newspapers. Where do they come from? Absolutely. So the Afro-American newspapers began in 1892. Now, this is a newspaper that started as a merging of multiple church newsletters. So we have always been community-based since the very founding. Uh, This paper was founded by a former slave and Civil War soldier. Yes, John Henry Murphy began this publication with a $200 loan from his wife, Martha Murphy. So, uh, so many different concepts in the founding. You have a former slave a Civil War soldier. You also have the role of women in the founding story for the Afro-American newspapers. And let's talk about the archive. What is in the Afro-American newspapers archive? So in our archives, we have over 3 million photographs. Um, That includes uh, different photographs from marches and protests, um, different events in the black community, everything from weddings to church events. So we have the photographs, but then we also have countless letters. We have firsthand accounts, uh, interviews from activists, um, different people throughout the annals of time who have contributed to pushing our race forward. Our archives are so expansive. Um, We have March on Washington content, but then we also have programs and different ephemera um, that were used only one time. So like a church program or a play program um, that was only used for one day. I encourage everyone um, to go to the Afro website, afro.com. You can get to our archives there, or you can use your Enoch Pratt Free Library card and you can log into the Maryland Papers section of their website and see every uh, article that we've printed since 1892. In addition to past issues, all those past Mm -hmm. issues for 131 years. Why all this ephemera? I've worked at a newspaper. (laughs) Reporters barely save their notes. (laughs) Why all these letters and these programs and these other things related to the news? Why was the newspaper saving those? I think it speaks to the nature of black press. We are here to put on record our day-to-day happenings as well as the major challenges that we overcame. And so I absolutely love going through and seeing the wedding announcements and the birth announcements and who crossed what fraternity and what sorority in North Carolina because we printed all of these photos. Um, And when you say why, it's because we have to tell our story. There are so many ways to put a story on record, and the Afro did it in written word. We did it in photographs. We did it with the recordings that we have. And the at the end of the day, it's to put these things on record to say that this is who we are as a people. This is what has happened to us. This is what we have overcome, and this is where we're headed. Um, and so I, I think that it's even more important in a day and time right now where we have people who are actively trying to change the record. And so when you have over 3 million artifacts on record, at the end of the day, there's no way to say that this didn't happen and that this isn't what we have overcome. 
That's Alexis Taylor, managing editor of The Afro. On the record on WIPR, I'm Sheila Cast. We're talking about the long history of the Afro-American newspapers and its archive of historical materials dating back to 1892. Alexis, you're a journalism graduate of Morgan State University. Why did you originally get into journalism? All right, I will correct the record just a little bit here. So uh, my major was photography, and then I had a minor in journalism from Morgan State University. Um, But to your question, the reason I got into this, I was originally a theater major. Um, So I'm an artist. I'm a creative. I can see that. (laughs) Uh, So I came to Baltimore in 2008 as a theater major at Morgan State University. And my grandfather at the time, John Arthur Butts, was battling cancer. And in 2007 and 2008, I just started to photograph him. I mean, it didn't matter if he was eating breakfast or if I was catching him coming out of his room. Um, I was photographing him and his every moment. And, you know, people were sick of me that Christmas (laughs) because. I just had the camera in everyone's face. Um, And then he passed away. And there was nothing left but the photos. There was nothing left but the videos that I had recorded. And it was so powerful to me um, seeing, you know, my family members cling to these photos. Uh, And it made me change my major. It made me really understand the power of having a record, the the power of capturing a moment in time, freezing that second. And, you know, still to this day, I can look at that photo of uh, the photos that I have of him. And it takes me back to that moment. What are your favorite articles in the oh. archive? <laughs> okay, uh, so I am—I really am a nerd. Um, in my spare time, I can be found just looking through the archives, and I'll say one of one of my favorite articles is a story from World War II. It's a story that we pulled and printed, and it's talking about how the American officials in the armed forces were so preoccupied with the respect given to black soldiers in the European European theater of war that, you know, there's still a war going on, but the armed forces, the officials are taking time away from their war efforts to write letters to the French officials to tell them, hey, y'all are treating these black soldiers with too much dignity and respect, and you're going to make it really hard for them when they go back to the United States expecting this same level of respect. And what they didn't know is that the letters that they were sending to the French officials, uh, the letters were actually going to a French official that was black. He was a black French national. And so they're sending these letters to the French officials thinking like, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to correct this issue. We're going to get them on our side, get them on board. And the entire time they're sending these letters to a black French official who orders his staff to rip up the letters, um, but not before he saves a few pieces as souvenirs. What's your favorite photograph in your archive? Oh, that's that's a difficult one. I can't say I have a favorite photograph, but what I will say that I love are the photographs from day-to-day life, the photos from the weddings, um, the photos, you know, the things that are putting on record that day-to-day life to say, you know, we, we really are more than 
you know, the, the photos of us being beaten. We're more than the photos of us being hosed as we fight for civil rights. We were born. We got married. We, you know, we did all of these things. Um, and I think one um, one thing that was very instrumental in me realizing that is a documentary called uh, Soldiers Without Swords. And in the opening, it talks about how in mainstream press, we didn't get married. We We didn't we weren't born. We didn't die. You know, all we did to a certain extent was criminal activity. But in the black press on that side of things, we have all of those photos that show how rich our lives were, even in the struggle of Jim Crow, even under the thumb of oppression. We still had these beautiful moments that were worth capturing. Is there something in particular you learned from foraging through the archive about Martin Luther King Jr. and the Civil Rights Movement? Oh, absolutely. I would say uh, a few years back, I was just going through looking for our Martin Luther King Jr. coverage. And that is when I realized that he he really did experience the ups and downs of being in the spotlight. Martin Luther King Jr. was stabbed at one point. He was put on trial for um, for his taxes. Then he was put on trial for perjury related to the taxes. And so all of that opens your eyes. You know, Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is so much more than his I Have a Dream speech. You know, we we push that because, yes, it was such a, a um, important speech in, in the history of the civil rights movement. But what I love about the Afro archives is that we recorded all of those individual moments as well. We recorded him wearing his shoes out, going back and forth between every tiny black church you could think of in the rural areas, in the major cities. He wasn't speaking before major congregations alone. He was in Silver Spring, Maryland, you know, in the backwoods there talking to pastors, talking to congregations and really church by church school by school, organization by organization, building up to those those moments that we see and, you know, those moments that have carried on like the March on Washington. You mentioned the archive is digital. Is everything in the archive digitized? Um, I won't say everything is there, but there has been a major effort. I believe they're still in the process of finishing up the digitization of the archives. Um, I think it's important for people to understand that we are two separate companies. And so I am managing editor of the Afro-American newspapers. But then we have a sister company, which is Afro Charities. Um, It's led by a fifth generation member of the Murphy family, the founding family of the Afro, um, Savannah Wood. She's executive director. And so um, they have launched an enormous effort to preserve these archives, to get them digitized. Um, but I will say um, a good bit of the archives are available going back to 1892. All you need is a library card. Um, you don't even need the physical card. You just need the number and you can go to the Enoch Pratt Free Library website and on the Maryland Papers section of the website, type in that number, um, click on Baltimore Afro-American and you can go all the way back to 1892. Thank you for telling us about this. It's exciting. It is exciting. Thank you for having me. Alexis Taylor is managing editor of The Afro, which has been publishing for 131 years, headquartered in Baltimore. You can find links to the Afro-American newspaper's reporting and its archives at the On the Record page at wypr.org. I'm Sheila Cass. Glad you're with us on the record. Hope your experience of Martin Luther King Jr. Day is purposeful.